The following audio is from Norris Ferry Community Church. More information about Norris Ferry Community Church is available at norrisferrychurch.org. I want to welcome you um, this morning. We are in this series called uh, God's Word, where we're just looking at God's Word and uh, what what it means for us, what it is. And so this morning, I get the privilege of talking about the authority of God's Word. Um, if you're a guest with us, then, then we're glad that you're here. Tracy is out with family, and so you get the youth pastor. Um, and so I'm, I'm glad to be with you. I'm excited um, to share with you about this. I want to give you a, a truth claim for you to write down, to ponder, to think about. The Bible is the only authority of divine truth. Let me say that again. The Bible is the only authority of divine truth. Now, when you and I talk about truth, then oftentimes we struggle in our communication with people. We know this, you just have to look at Facebook or uh, the news cycle or um, a family discussion, or if some of you guys have teenagers that live in your home, then you know that there is not one set standard of truth that all people, all places believe in. That's why we have this hard time discussing truth and and. What is right? What is wrong? That's why these debates happen. But to oversimplify it, I think that it's helpful for us this morning to to see that, that truth comes from one of two places. It either comes from me saying, through my logic and reasoning, this is what is true. From experience, from logic, from reasoning, from, from what I know, this is what is true and right. It puts me above truth. I get to decide what truth is. Or it comes from the place of truth is out there and I must submit to it. That truth is over me. So I know what is true because it is revealed to me, not because of what I think. And that's where we get to the statement that the Bible is the only authority of divine truth. Now in talking about the authority of the Bible, then the systematics would say that that the words of God that are recorded in the scripture carry the same authority as the words which God speaks. That this is his spoken word and so it is completely and totally true. And therefore it should have authority in our life. That what The scriptures say is what God says. And so this morning we could go through an apologetic of of the arguments for why we believe that the Bible is authoritative. And why we believe that the Bible is divine revelation. And why it should instruct our life. But for most of you in here, I think you already believe that. You already believe that this is authoritative because when it comes to life's biggest question, who am I? Why do I exist? Why is the world the way it is? How can I spend eternity with God? You've believed what this says. You've submitted your life to the authority of the scripture because you have placed your faith in Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins. You have trusted in him as your savior and Lord. And so I don't have to convince you that the Bible is authoritative. You believe that. 
But if I were talking to someone that, that didn't believe that, then I would give arguments about the authority of the Bible based on its own claim that it's divine revelation. Based on the evidence of history and the evidence of prophecy and the evidence of creation, the evidence of morality and justice and purpose. I would examine the worldview that the Bible explains and I would attempt to show you that even logic and reasoning points you to believe that the Bible is divine revelation. But then again, I might just ask you to begin reading the Bible. To be confronted with the person and work of Jesus Christ and the claims in which He makes. For you to weigh that and experience that. I begin to pray that the Holy Spirit would illuminate your heart to the truth of God's Word. And that you would see yourself in light of what He says. And that you would not just know that it's true, but that you would believe that it's true. You see, the authority of the Bible is not just a mental assent. It's kind of like chemistry 101. You get the lecture class, but then you get the zero-hour, 7 a.m. practicum, right? Where you go and you get to experience the reality of what you've learned. And that's what we see with the authority of the Bible. That's where I want to camp out this morning. Is I want, I want us to see and experience the life and freedom that the authority of the Bible gives us. If you would, pray with me. God, thank you for your word. Lord, we thank you for revealing yourself to us. Lord, if you had not given us your word, we would not know you. Lord, we pray this morning that you would enlighten our eyes, give us ears to hear, that you would give us a heart that desires you, that we might pray like the psalmist, that we might sing like the psalmist, that your word is more precious to me than gold and silver, that it is sweeter to me than any taste this earth has to offer. Lord, that that would be our view of your word with the authority in our life to instruct us on how we should live. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. So this morning, I'm not going to go through an apologetic for the authority of the Bible. There's great books out there and, and other great resources. If you want some of those, I'd love to talk with you more after. But what I'm going to argue for is a better and more full understanding of the Bible as the authority of divine truth in our life. And here's specifically what I want to show you. Is that the authority of the Bible is life and freedom for us. The authority of the Bible is life and freedom for us. And so I have three ways that the authority of the Bible is life and freedom for us. Number one, the authority of the Bible reveals our potential and calls us upward. The authority of the Bible reveals our potential and calls us upward. Ephesians 2.10 says this, We are God's workmanship, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. The Bible tells us that God spoke us into existence, the crowning jewel of His creation. 
And that he created us with the purpose of being his image bearer. Now there's a lot of things of what that might mean. But, but one that we know for sure is that we are supposed to image God. What a great calling. That, Im- that image was incredibly flawed. But it was not lost when Adam and Eve sinned in the garden. The Bible tells us that because of sin, mankind was separated from God and deserving of his just punishment. But because of God's great love for us, at the right time, he sent his son into the world to reconcile mankind back to himself. And that all who call on the name of Jesus will be saved. You see, without the Bible... We would not know these truths. There's no logic and reasoning that can get you to believing in Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. Apart from the fact that God revealed that all who call on the name of Jesus will be saved. See, Romans chapter 1 is clear that God has revealed himself through creation. And that all men are without excuse. But 2 Timothy 3, 14 and 15 says it's the scripture which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith in Jesus Christ. It's through the scriptures that we know that God has made us ministers of reconciliation, as Paul says in Corinthians. That he makes his appeal through us. In 1 Peter 1, 23, it says that those who have trusted in Jesus have been born again through the living and abiding word of God. And it is the scriptures that tell us in John 1 that all who receive him, he gave the right to be called children of God. And not merely children, because Romans 8, 17 says that if we are children, then we are heirs. Heirs of God and fellow heirs with Christ. You see, your potential is to be the image bearer of God. As his rightful heir. So let me ask the question. Why do we settle for less? Why do we settle. And find our identity. In our own physical talents. Of what we can do and earn. Why do we find our identity. And who we are. Based off of what people think about us. Why would we find our identity and who we are based off of where we spend our eight to five? When the scripture says, by believing in his son, you become his child. And not just his child, but his heir to the kingdom of heaven. See, the authority of scripture reveals our potential and calls us upward. C.S. Lewis, in his now famous quote, says this, It would seem that our, that our Lord finds our desires not too strong, but too weak. We are half-hearted creatures fooling about with drink and sex and ambition when infinite joy is offered to us, like an ignorant child who wants to go on making mud pies in the slum because he cannot imagine what is meant by the offer of a holiday at the sea. We are far too easily pleased. We settle for far too little. 
when God calls us his child. You see, you don't get that anywhere else except for the authority of the scripture. The authority of the Bible reveals our potential and calls us upward. Number two, the authority of the Bible gives us protection. Listen to Psalm 119, 9 through 11. How can a young man keep his way pure? By guarding it according to your word. With my whole heart, I seek you. Let me not wander from your commandments. I have stored up your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. God has created us to live and experience certain things. But he's also created us to not experience certain things. The limit that God puts on us are for our good. The instruction that he gives us is for our protection. So what does this look like? Keller in his, his book, he, uh, Every Good Endeavor, then he, he talks about it in this way. He says that a goldfish finds his freedom by being bound to water. When a goldfish goes outside of the limits of water, it does not find life, it finds death. Because it was not created to go outside the bounds of water. As it works within its creation of what it was created for and how it was created, it finds life in the restrictions. There's two ways that most of us learn. We learn from other people's mistakes or we learn from our own mistakes. My dad used to say, if you're going to be dumb, you better be tough. I've got scars to prove it. I have a goofy looking ear because I wrestled in high school and I thought the rules didn't apply to me. I thought I was the exception. I thought that it wouldn't actually happen to me. You see, we can tell stories and some of them funny, some of them serious about our childhood and the ways that we failed to heed the warnings that were given to us. But the sad reality is that we carry this same mindset to the scripture. We don't trust that God's ways are best. We think that we're the exception to the truth, that we need to understand what we need to understand is that There's no exceptions to God's authority. And that he's given them in his word for our protection. It's kind of like gravity. We all live within gravity, whether you believe it or not. But try and break its rule and it will teach you a lesson. But yet so often as we function within its rules, we don't even realize it. We go about our day not floating off into space. We live under the authority of God, whether you believe it or not. But when you go outside of the the limitations of his protection then you experience death, pain, suffering, hurt. God has given us the scripture that we would be protected 
The Bible gives us commands that will protect us from the world, the flesh, and the devil. It protects us from being a slave to our emotions and desires by telling us what is true and real. Genesis 3 shows us that there's no exceptions to God's decree. What he says will happen, and it will always happen. And what he warns against is for our good. Jeremiah tells us that the heart is deceitful and wicked. Proverbs is full of wisdom and instruction that we would follow the good path and avoid destruction. David saying the scriptures are a lamp and a light for his path. Paul cautions us of thinking too highly of ourselves and becoming proud. Ecclesiastes keeps us from despair and hopelessness, pointing us to a sovereign God. Hebrews 2 speaks of the scriptures as that which keeps us from drifting. Philippians calls us from anxiety to trust. Romans 12 warns us of the conformity of the world. In the Gospels, Jesus cautioned his followers of the deceitfulness of riches. Joshua condemns fear and calls us to faith. Timothy was told to flee sexual temptations. In Deuteronomy, Moses warned the people to not depart from the commands of the Lord. And in Psalm 19, 11, it states, Moreover, by them, the scriptures, is your servant warned. In keeping them, there is great reward. The scriptures are full of wisdom and protection for us. There's certain things you weren't created to experience. And by living within the limits that the scripture gives us, you find life and freedom. Number three, the authority of the Bible gives us provisions. We'll talk more about this in a few weeks when we talk about the sufficiency of the Scripture. But I want to mention it today because it's important for us to know that whatever God calls us to, He equips us for. Let me say that again. Whatever He calls us to, He equips us for. Spurgeon has a saying about preachers that if God created an animal to fly, He gave it wings. That whatever God calls us to, He equips us for. Listen to 2 Peter 1, 3 and 4. It says, His divine power has granted to us all things that pertain to life and godliness. Through the knowledge of Him who called us to His own glory and excellence. By which He has granted to us His presence and every great promise. Catch this. So that through them... What are the them? It's his promises. It's his commands. Through them, you may become partakers of the divine nature, having escaped from the corruption that is in the world because of sinful desires. God gives us everything we need for life and godliness right here. When Jesus in Matthew 4 was tempted in the desert, it was the scriptures that were his defense. Paul encouraged the church in Corinth that no temptation has overtaken you except what is common to man. And God is faithful and he will not let you be tempted beyond your ability. But with the temptation, he will also provide a way of escape that you may be able to endure it. 
Psalm 1 tells us that the blessed man is the one who meditates and delights on the Word of God. Peter calls the Word pure milk. Isaiah calls it rich food. Jesus calls it living water. The Scriptures provide everything we need for life and godliness. But let me ask you a question. Do you believe that? Do you believe that the Scriptures have the authority and they provide everything you need for life and godliness? See, if you believe that, it shows up in your life. If you believe that this is everything I need for life and godliness, then this becomes your most valued treasure. The Word of God becomes the sweetness on your lips. But if you don't, if you don't believe that this contains everything you need for life and godliness, it will show up in your life in other ways. Where do you run when your marriage struggles? Is it the Word of God? Where do you run when your children rebel? Where do you run when your emotions are out of control and you don't know how to handle it? Where do you run when depression creeps into your life? Where do you run in the midst of pain and suffering? Where do you run in the midst of trials and temptations? Is it to the authoritative divine word of God? Or is it to something else? You see, there's a very practical nature of this. To believe that the scripture is the divine authoritative word of God means to write a blank check. It means that that I have the blank check that says, God, whatever you say, I'll believe it over what feels right. God, whatever you say, I'll believe it over what looks right. God, whatever you say, I'll believe it and trust you and obey it. Because if you don't write the blank check, to believe and know that God's word is true, then what happens is you become the authority over the scripture. Let me ask you a simple question. Is there anything in the Bible that you do not want to submit to? Let me ask it again. Is there anything in all the scripture that you say, I don't want to do that? Not going to do it. Don't want to. You see, this question is very revealing about our heart. And this is why I wanted to speak on the authority of the Scripture because so often we say, I believe God to take care of the biggest issues in life. But then we say, God, I'm the exception. I can take care of the rest. God, I don't want to obey that. God, I don't want to live like that. God, I don't want to believe that truth. And as we say those things, we become the authority over the scripture. 
we become those that say, through my logic, experience, and reasoning, I decide what is true for my life and what is false. But it goes even deeper than that. Because God's not a God who's up there saying, I just want you to obey me because I said so. He's a father who looks at us and says, I've put these things in my word that you might have protection. That you might have life. That you might have freedom. That you might see the potential in which I want to call you to. That you might live. And so to the extent that we say, God, I don't want to obey that, we've missed who God is. We've missed his nature and his character. To say, no, God, you don't care about me. Because if you cared about me, you would let me do these things. You see, we understand it with little kids, right? Parenting. I want to eat candy for breakfast. No. It's ridiculous. No. But I want to. You with me, Aubrey? (laughs) Candy. Right? We love candy. It tastes good. It feels good. I like it. It's not good for us. We get it on these simple levels, but when it comes to our life and it comes to the desires which we have so deep in our heart, and we go, God, I want it. He goes, it's not good for you. It doesn't bring about life. It brings about death and destruction in your life. Proverbs is so clear that when he's talking to his son, he says, and he does not know it will cost him his life. Because it looks good. It feels good. It tastes good. But we have to write the blank check and say, God, I'll obey your word as the only source of divine truth. It's the only way that I know true north. There's nothing else. I can't trust my emotions. I can't trust myself. I can only trust your word to tell me what is true. And because of that, I'll submit my whole life to it. So let me ask again. Are you standing as authority in your life, deciding what's good and right? Or does the scripture stand over you? Jesus tells a story. Or Luke tells a story about Jesus. And he tells us about an interaction that Jesus had with a man who was asking life's biggest questions. What must I do to inherit eternal life? Jesus answered him and said, you know the commands. Isn't that interesting? What must I do to inherit eternal life? Jesus said, you know the commandments. I've provided it for you. The man said, all these I've kept. Jesus, knowing his heart, He heard this and he said to him, one thing you still lack. There's one thing still missing for you. For you to reach your full potential of what I've called you to, there's one thing that's still missing. 
Sell all that you have and distribute it to the poor, and you will have treasures in heaven. And come follow me. Jesus laid out a true reality that this man would have treasures in heaven. Many of you guys know the story. It says he walked away very sad because he was extremely rich. He said, no, I see my treasures in my bank account. And they're more real to me than the treasures which you promised. I don't want to obey. You see, we've got to write the blank check and say either this is God's authoritative word and it has the right to speak into my life on every matter. Or it has none. Stop playing the game. Either it has the authority to answer life's biggest questions and life's most meaningless, what we would seem. They're not meaningless to God. They may seem small to us. But God's authority in our life is good for us. It brings about life and godliness. To the extent that we don't want to obey and submit to the authority, we've misunderstood who God is. In Psalm 85, then it says, No good thing will he withhold from those who walk uprightly. George Mueller, the famous man that uh, cared for orphans in England, was his life verse. As that verse works down into the very core of your being, then as you face temptations and pain and hurt and struggles then you can hold to the fact that God is working something good in your life. So may we leave today seeing the word of God as our divine authority, that it is life and freedom for us, that it gives us protection and provisions, and it points us to our divine potential. Let's pray. God, we thank you for your word, Lord, that is life. That it creates the picture for us of what is real. Lord, so often we're looking at things upside down and through your word, it turns them right side up. Lord, that we would see the way the world works, that we would understand ourselves and what you've called us to. God, would you work in us and create in us a heart that cries out like the psalmist, Lord, your word is more precious to me than gold and silver and precious stones. God, your word is sweet to my lips. Something to be desired. Something I long for throughout the day. To spend time in your word, to hear your wisdom, to know what is right and true and good. That which has authority over my life to instruct my emotions, to instruct my fears and failures. Lord, to to tell me who I am 
and what you've created me to be. Lord, would you give us a hunger for your word that we would live under its authority. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for listening to audio from Norris Ferry Community Church located in Shreveport, Louisiana. Feel free to make copies of this message to give to others, but please do not charge for these copies or alter the content in any way without permission. For more information about Norris Ferry Community Church, please visit us online at norrisferrychurch.org.